0: Oh, now it comes out <laughs> that, we didn't have to wait till the end so we're we're we were at the house george and i got up early i stayed at his place last night and uh i don't know what at what point it came up george said that taylor was going to finish in the top 10. i said i'll bet you a hundred dollars he doesn't and i and I just did backing up i love taylor he's like a like a little brother to me and i'm a big believer in him i believe that races like roubaix and flanders he was made to win those races like he was put here to win those he's had a lot of injuries a lot of crashes that have maybe held him back but those are in his dna and so but i i just i just said no i got a hundred i got a hundred says there's no way and then he was in that second group, and he was right there, and then he got dropped. As soon as he got dropped from that second group, I said, oh, what can I buy with $100, JP?" <laughs> it Really rubbing it in. And the yep. bitch comes on the velodrome and gets eighth, and you should have heard the room. I mean, it, it was, and at one point I said, you know what, I'll, screw it, I'll take it to 10,000. Yeah, he wanted to go to 10,000. And geez. then when he got oh dropped from gosh. that second group, I said, I, it's 100,000 now. <laughs> Thank God George is a I good guy. I went out, I went out. everybody welcome to the stages podcast talking about the 116th edition of perry Rebe, my co-host jb hager and a special guest a man who knows a lot about perry Rebe. you weren't there for the the first one right the first one <laughs> 116 years <laughs> no, ago <definitely> yeah not. <laughs> okay no. our guest uh, our special guest my old buddy teammate good friend george Hinkapi um who i'm just going to get it out of the way is a hundred dollars richer <laughs> We'll, we'll share with that how he got that hundred dollars more towards the end i missed all that action it it's uh you know what yeah we you you people will have to wait but george is <laughs> george hincapi as wealthy as he is is now a wealthy plus a hundred dollars and we are kind of a special, it, a special treat right here. here oh there it is he's paying up. i have the hundred.
1: What's, you, what's the, what's the little me. note on the back written, written there? Red. I don't know. Does that mean I got another 1,000? <laughs> I have no idea up? what that is.
2: Just take it. Well, I think it's uh, only fair to mention our setting for this podcast. Right. We are in Greenville, South Carolina at Hotel Domestique.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited you guys made it your, all the trip down from Austin. Check out the hotel and do the Stages podcast this is beautiful, here.
0: beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Well, a lot Thank of you. cycling fans have come through here, either come to your Fondo or come here for training camps. But... Uh, for those of you listening, you can't really see it, but for those of you watching, you can see the view and uh, see the beautiful mountains out here. I got to tell you, Georgia and I did a camp here with some folks a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, there's some legit climbs around here. If you think of, you know, you're thinking of South Carolina or North Carolina, they, these, these are straight mountains. Like these aren't hills anymore. This is a real thing. You get a little bit of everything. Yeah. So yeah, this
1: is really great, world class
0: cycling right behind us. Great, yep.
2: great cycling destination and uh, the perfect place to stay.
0: So the headline, I mean, for me, fellas, it, it was you know it was just a week ago where we we covered the Tour of Flanders and it, 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 this thing was just completely flipped. Last week you had Sagan, Peter Sagan, who was a heavy favorite and didn't have the team to overcome and, and overwhelm Quick Step, and Quick Step used the strength of their team uh, to dominate the race today in Paris Roubaix. I mean. I, honestly, I don't know what Quick Step was thinking, but Peter Sagan rode like a like a like the beast that he is. Went away with 50 kilometers to go, and that was kind of it.
2: I know at one point George, you kind of looked over and like Quick Step needs to go on the attack here, you know, or send off another attack and control the front. I guess they weren't. Maybe are they just tired? I mean, do you start to get tired as you get several classics in as a team?
1: Well, there's no there's no question. This period of the cycling season is the most stressful period for these guys I and mean, the 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 mental um the mental worth all that it takes to make all these selections and the, the the position battles day in and day out is really really stressful it's all one day all-out racing so towards the end like this is a, a, the end of the sort of goal for a lot of these guys and some of them are tired you can just tell today Quickstep was trying the same tactic um but Bora was much better than last weekend. Marcus Berghardt was really strong, and Daniel Loss, uh, so they were kind of doing the same thing, and they were really covering the moves. and And uh, Sagan just kind of sneaked away. He's world champion. He should not be sneaking away. They, right? They, they, that should not have happened. But they weren't. They just didn't have the legs to go at that moment.
2: I just wonder how beat up teams get. You know, as the season progresses. I mean, you're doing. Flanders, you're doing uh, Gent-Velgum, and all these races, and right. you see all the crashes, and the teams just can sort of get so beat up, and maybe they try to recover before the Grand Tour. And they've shortened
0: that, those, those midweek semi-classics, they've shortened. Back in the day, things like uh, Harlbeck, uh, gent wevelgem those were also 250 kilometers. Now they can't be longer than 200 kilometers, so imagine then how tired you would be. And, and But for these guys, I guess they're kind of, I mean, George can speak to this, but they're probably done i mean you know the 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 specialists that have done the cobbled classics you know probably aren't going to do liege unless they're working for somebody else amstel maybe but that's a super tough hilly course as well so they this is probably it
1: yeah there's quite a few guys that um can cross over from flanders in Roubaix to jump into Amsel and Liège, even though they might have the capabilities, they're just the the engine is working at a different rate at that point, and it's uh, rare that they'll be successful in the next couple of weeks if they try to race it.
0: But I but I I want to go back to Quickstep because I I I didn't understand uh, and, and again I'm just full disclaimer never done Perry Roubaix, so that's why it's so perfect to sit here with George and just say okay George you answer all the questions I have no idea what it's like to do that race, other than the few times where they've and the, the tour has gone through there, um, but that's a completely different experience. But when you had Sagan up the road with these two guys, the Swiss kid and the kid from Lotto, um, and then you had the group with Quick Steps, Nicky Terpstra, and, 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 you know, these five or six guys in total, and then you had a group behind with three or four Quick Steppers, it's like, To me, and it wasn't, they weren't, Terpster's group wasn't closing the gap to Sagan. I don't know why they didn't just come together and go, okay, now we'll bring him back. Like it,
1: yeah, that that was a mistake. We were, yeah, I agree that we were talking about that, and that's a game time decision. I think the, Whoever the director was for Quick Step, he needed to make that call and say, you need to wait. There's are seven seconds behind. we got four guys behind. Yep. You can do a lot more um, chasing with these guys than if you keep going on your own. But who knows what was going on in the radios. Who knows if right. the Tepsford decided he didn't want to wait. Um, but certainly he could have gotten a lot more help if he waited for that group.
0: Well, that is the knock on him. I mean, I, I, I loved his ride in Flanders, but the knock on him is that, you know, sometimes his radio isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. And so that's uh, and I actually Christian Vandeveld was sitting there watching the race with us as well, and I asked him uh, to get a confirmation of that, and that's you know that's that's kind of the knock.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, he's won Roubaix in Flanders, so he's he's doing something right, but uh, he might
0: not listen all the time to his directors. Yeah, but today, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't understand that unless and like you said, George, I mean, we're not listening to their race radio um, unless everybody in that third group was uh, essentially the third group just. Gets on the radio and says, I'm dead. I'm, you know, terrible day. Then you just let Terpster, you know, go for it. Um,
1: Well, I mean, 60K to go, not many people are feeling great, but you could still make a difference if you work together as a team. So I don't, I can't imagine them saying that. Um, but certainly something that that was definitely a mistake. Yeah.
2: As we progress, I wanted to get both of your thoughts on some of the conversations. Uh, between the two off the front as they get into that last 10k i'm always curious what those little those little back and forths are like but uh and this may be a bit gratuitous but there was one american in the race i mean this is just and we're sitting with the american that had the best results ever in that event in 2005 is that correct on the year second place
1: 2005
2: yep yeah and you know so as a part of you you know that's uh, that's something that's very dear to you, I assume. What's what, what's going through your head, George, as you're sitting there, watching Taylor Finney try to duke it out?
1: Well, I got the pleasure to race a Paru Bay with Taylor, and uh, you know he was uh, it was one of my last years, 2012, I believe. I had some bad luck, a lot of punctures, and he was actually working for me and Alessandro Ballon, But he was very impressive, uh, very confident, always at the front, great at positioning. Ended up 15th, I believe, that year. But I, I said that he was going to probably beat my my place in Ferry Bay, just because of the type of rider he is, and. I was glad to see him up there today. He did a great ride, and uh, I am actually made a little bit of money on it, too. Oh,
0: now it comes out. <laughs> that, we didn't have to wait till the end. So we we're, we're, were at the house, George and I got up early. I stayed at his place last night, and uh, I don't know what, at what point it came up, George said that Taylor was gonna finish in the top 10. I said, I'll bet you $100 he doesn't. And I and I just did it, backing up, I love Taylor. He's like a, like a little brother to me, and I'm a big believer in him. I believe that races like Roubaix and Flanders, he was made to win those races. Like he was put here to win those. He's had a lot of injuries, a lot of crashes that have maybe held him back, but those are in his DNA. And so, but I I just, I just said, no, I got a hundred. I got a hundred says there's no way and then he was in that second group and he was right there and then he got dropped and as soon as he got dropped from that second group i said oh what can i buy with a hundred dollars <laughs> JP?" it really rubbed it in. and the sum yeah. bitch comes on the velodrome and gets eighth and you should have heard the room i mean it, it was and at one point i said you know what I'll, screw it i'll take it to ten thousand yeah he wanted to go to ten G's. and then when he got oh dropped from gosh. that second group i said I, it's a hundred thousand now <laughs> thank god george is i a good went guy. out
1: i went out
2: so th- yeah there was there was a little back and forth with you guys over the wager and there was also a lot of banter about George's television.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, which, uh, yeah, I know, it might need to upgrade the TVs at some point. You know, these big screen TVs they make now are, when they first came out, the really big ones, they were super expensive. They were just completely cost prohibitive. But just like a lot of technology, Um, it's 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 you know every year the price gets halved and so now the big ones George they're really going there right now they're only a few they're only a few hundred bucks and so I I well I got a
1: hundred now I'm uh, I'm 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 a tenth there you know and
2: I'll, uh, I'll I'll get George's back on this like if you're coming out here to these mountains to Hotel Domestique to watch television. You, you probably don't have your priorities straight.
0: Well, then I'll get my own back and say that if it's, if this is the cycling capital of this part of the country and people want to watch the tour or the classics, I mean, we need, they need to make that part. We had, shoot, we had 20 guys in that room. It was cool. It was yeah, like it a big watching party. Fun. That's, that was, that's, that was a fun yeah.
2: time. It was fun. Break this down for me because, uh, I didn't know there were, uh, I think they referred to it as sector ratings. I heard you guys talking about it for each of the cobble sections. And, I want you to talk about that in depth George and also by just observing you as we were watching like you just know every one of those sections you were you were describing what they're about to hit yeah. every time
1: yeah ruby rarely changes the routes um been the same basically the same for 100 years so I've done it 17 times. I know where all the little landmarks are, and uh, I know all the all the different things to look for when the sections are coming up. Um, so I didn't even really have to look at my computer during period, But I knew exactly what was coming, when it was coming, and what I need to look for.
2: So that probably plays to your favor if you're if you're one gutsy enough to do these cobbled races. But over the years, like how many years in did you start to find a groove of like, oh, I know this course.
1: You never find a groove because it's good. There's a high probability that you're going to crash, you're going to get hurt. So you're always really nervous and stressed out about it. But in terms of knowing the course, I mean, Seven eight years in, I was comfortable with that. I knew what was coming.
2: Seven or eight years, in. I. See, that's a, that's a lot of. I know that's a just, lot of experience. You pass that off as if it's not that big of a deal. Like <laughs> seven or eight years, okay, now I'm comfortable with a race.
0: And yeah. there and there are keep in mind too that 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 there's an there's a an amateur version of or U23 version of Perry Rebay. So a lot of these, maybe maybe not the Americans, but a lot of uh, the Europeans. Um, have done it for years as amateurs or as juniors or so they know you know a Belgian or, or a Dutch or you know somebody from that part of France can come in and do it and have success early because they know it but if you're coming from Greenville, South Carolina or Austin, Texas it takes seven or eight years to figure out oh alright that's yeah. how this works.
2: I also picked up that you know it, the wind direction comes into play a lot so yeah. a cobbled section one year 2016 could be completely feel completely different 2017 if you're going into a headwind or a tailwind or a crosswind
1: yeah. absolutely and it really plays into the strategy the directors are watching the map they're watching the wind direction and they're really uh, in, especially these days informing you on in which way the wind is coming and which way the the sector is going to turn to be aware of giving it a headwind crosswind or, or major tailwind and, th- and then you know how much more emphasis you need to put on how far in front of the group you are or ahead of or, you know in the position you
2: know as a fan you're watching for the flags and so what right. is it i'm assuming when it's they turn and it's cobbled and it's a headwind that's going to kind of shut it down a little bit if you have that tailwind that's when you might be more inclined to go or do i have that right
1: yeah tailwind or crosswind because crosswind is, it's hard to get a good draft and you can really make put people in a uncomfortable position easier
0: it's just something to watch for as a fan same on the climbs i mean the the big climbs in the in the big grand tours uh, that's you know assuming it's exposed if you have a headwind it neutralizes the whole the whole experience for everybody so i mean for the you know the the strong guys want a, a pure tailwind because then that essentially means that the draft that that you would be getting off the guy in front of you is just getting, you know, drastically diminished. I just wanted to touch on that because
2: as, as people watch these races and in the future, if you're watching and you look at the flags and which way they're blowing, you might have a little more insight of yep. someone going on the attack.
1: Yeah, definitely that. But something like Roubaix, where, for instance, today was supposed to be generally headwind. You still have so many turns throughout the course. You're generally going, you know, north into the headwind, but there's many times where you're turning, making U-turns on yourself, and we're taking a hard right, hard left, and the wind, with the wind, is changing throughout the whole day.
0: And one thing to note: there was nine of these sections. Are gonna? We talked about this, of course, in the Tour de France preview we did a few months ago. Nine of these sections are in this summer's tour. What's the total? Six k, you said, George. Twelve k. 12 kilometers of cobblestones i mean we, we, we talked about it give last. us a basis of comparison
2: for them I'm, I'm assuming that's a lot that's, that's
0: more than it. we ever did and that's more than that yeah, i would say twice as much as yep any uh, other, and they've got some is. of the gnarlier sections in there so i mean we talked about it in october you know these you know guys like quintana and and you know these pure climbers from i mean it's 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 going to be hard whereas a guy like nibbly as we saw in the Tour of Flanders, he can ride these things, and he can get position, and he can you know, he can handle his bike, and so... Yeah, it'll be a big difference. I mean, big difference.
1: Today is 50, kil- 50 kilometers of cobblestones, but these are all specialists for cobblestones. Mm-hmm. So imagine the Tour de France Peloton at 12 kilometers, and you saw how many people arrived. Uh, the, the size of the groups today, it was two guys, one guy, three guys, and this, these are all specialists. So yeah. The, yeah, how and-
2: many guys start a day like today knowing they're not even gonna make it to the finish line? I'd say about half. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, that's just remarkable. I don't, I don't know if the average person knows that. They're, I mean, they're in there, they're doing their work, or they have accidents, or a bad day, yeah, or whatever. Or they're,
1: or they're called in last minute and say, "We need
0: a seventh guy," and you got to at least uh, come to the feed zone. <laughs> you bring up a good point. This is the first time that 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 uh, in Perry Ribay they've ridden with seven guys. So this is they've taken the team. Now we talked about this a lot mm-hmm. last summer, from eight to seven. Boy, you look at the situation Quick-Step was in and you kind of wonder, what I mean, an eighth guy, does that change their mm-hmm. race? I I would argue that, yeah, it does. And I'm not a fan of, of going from eight to seven or from seven to six. I'm not a fan of having less guys. I think we should have, you know, the traditional amount of eight and the nine in the Grand Tours, but it makes a race like this a hell of a lot harder with one less man. Yeah, it
1: doesn't sound like much, but you start the
0: race, the first 100 kilometers of Rebaix, you have 50% of
1: basically every team their task is to get in the breakaway. So right there, you take one guy less that's trying to make the breakaway, and there's usually three or four guys from one team trying to make it. It's a really tough task to make the breakaway. It may look easy on TV. When you turn on the TV, there's already a breakaway 10 guys. But if there was a quick step guy in there, like Dillier was today, he gets a much easier ride. Quick step is on a much less defensive position. It changes the whole dynamics of the race.
0: Yeah, that was that. I made a note of that, JB. To like, I mean, you, you, the, first of all, that breakaway was was away for two hundred and fourteen kilometers. Sylvain Dillier, who gets second, and by the way, not for nothing, mm-hmm. like he he didn't get second by like a hundred meters. He was on Sagan's wheel, so he's in the break for two fourteen. Pulls with Sagan all the way to the finish line, and then loses by a bike link. Like that's kind of like. That's sort of like man of the day. Like that's Absolutely. that's ride of the day. Well, I'm there. guessing he had to make a
2: decision: Do I work with Sagan? Because we kept seeing him pull through, and every time you guys were all like, "Whoa!" Like he was doing a lot of work, but then he could risk not getting on the podium.
1: Yeah, we we were having those discussions too, but. You never know how he's feeling at that moment. We just assume. Why is he working with Sagan? I mean, Sagan is going to beat him, but he probably was on an incredible day. Um, it's a lot less stress being in the breakaway, although you're doing more work. You're not. You're not dealing with the stress the peloton is. So, at the point that Sagan's catching Dillier, they, you know, they were much, much more level playing field there. Um, obviously, because Dillier was pulling through and and
0: did an amazing ride at the end. By the way, this kid was a U23 uh, world champion, so this is not some. You know, bus boy that they bought and they rolled out for the Paris Roubaix. This this kid's you know he's a good bike rider and, um, but yeah, that was I, I. can see what you're saying there, though, George, too, about being on that early break where you don't have to stress about position and fighting and and the sprints just to make the you know these sectors and not stress about being 100 deep and then crashes and mechanicals and you're in that group he there were six guys like you're yeah. like okay here comes a section let's yeah. all line up guys we're yeah, they kind of communicate your, and get a yeah. rhythm. there's no fighting
1: you saw you saw on the at the first section 100 kilometers into the race 180k to go greg and some of his bm he lot they lost stefan kung um i probably said then last name wrong but early on they lost him greg got stuck behind a crash he catches back up he makes his way back to the front that you're burning matches. I mean, the, every every little bit counts in Rebay. Gets his way back to the front, does, gets stuck behind another crash. So just from that little bit of being behind in the first sector, which really shouldn't matter, he burned some really important matches mm-hmm. and it might have affected his um, final result.
0: I got a question for George um, because, I, again, having never done it, you know, and I, when we did it in the tour, we rode, we, I guess we might have put on some beefier tires, but our bikes were the same bikes, the wheels were the same wheels. But it, there must be, and I know over the years they've tried suspension, they've tried front and full suspension, they've tried all these different things. What 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 changes now for these bikes? But we, and I mean the frame, the wheel, the tire, and the bars, handlebars.
1: So you remember our old mechanic Julian DeVries, he used yep. to age our tires. He had like a wine cave for tires. It would age them for years before we threw him on for Roubaix. Um, Thousands of people now wanting to go to Julian De <laughs>
0: uh, tire exactly. cave.
1: But now, obviously, the tire technology's gotten a lot better. They're definitely using beefier, bigger tires. Um, the carbon wheels are all now uh, pretty much uh, bomb-proof. bomb-proof, so yep. they are all got the carbon wheels. Some guys put a little extra handlebar tape on their bars. There was a couple of guys on, on the in the race today without gloves, which for me, it was like, there's no way I could have ever imagined doing that race without gloves. My hands would have been destroyed. Found that interesting. Um, in terms of other stuff, they might change their frame to a bit more compliant carbon where they get a little bit of, uh, less stiffer ride, but that's about it. And is
2: it is it still po- still popular when you hit the cobbles just to yank the handlebars off, or was that just a George
1: thing? <laughs> no, that was definitely a George And
0: George didn't really think that was that popular either. He didn't like that. It was <laughs> no, That, was a that did not trend well with George when uh, the handlebars uh, came off that Every bike. now and then
2: I'll pull up that clip as oh. we were prepping for this. I was like, oh, my god! Every
0: year during just... this time
1: I'll get people sending me videos and remember that yeah you, you were steering it? but it just you remember wasn't, that got a big bump right here <laughs> yeah. it, that always reminds you
0: know me. the one other thing i noticed which i think is a, a, a awesome idea is those remote brakes up on the top so you had mm-hmm. like a little just a little hand gripper brake whereas because a lot of times i mean the times that i've ridden the cobbles you know it is more comfortable to be up on the tops and just just sort of try to get over them but they had those uh those those brake levers up on top as well which obviously if you're up there and you're You know, trying to slow down or brake or whatever, that you got to reach back out to the brakes, which is a bit of a pain.
2: Then there's always the excitement of finishing on the velodrome, which proved to be exciting
1: today. Absolutely, I mean, we were wondering why, how Dillier was pulling through with Sagan, or why he was, and then he comes onto the velodrome in first, looking very confident. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen. Obviously, Sagan was a favorite but he put on an amazing show.
0: And I, I guess he, and we don't really know this kid that well, but he's done a bit of track racing in his day. So, I mean, and obviously Peter Sagan as well, he can handle just about any surface condition, environment, whatever. But um, if you if you just had a group of five guys coming in and, and one of them spent his younger years racing on the track, I mean, serious advantage of, of where to be positioned, how to slingshot off the top of the track and just get that run on guys. and. Yeah, it's I mean, got to be ex- harder
2: than it looks. Yeah. I mean, oh, these absolutely. guys make yeah. it look very very easy. It's just a whole different thing.
1: Yeah. Well, especially after 6 hours on the bike, everything, all your reactions slow down and just Yeah, you forget they're they're
2: stressful. cross-eyed. Yeah. I mean, they're completely they're heart going nuts and cross-eyed and they but they they make it look so easy. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's gotta be difficult. I did overhear you saying today, it's like, yeah, a lot of these guys, and I may be quoting you wrong, you were like, a lot of these guys can race really good to 120 miles. Then they're then it just, yeah, that you see, extra bit, Like that's when things st- st- really start to fall apart. Can yeah, you describe
1: yeah. that? Absolutely, I mean, these are, everybody in there are some of the best cyclists in the world, but there's only a handful of guys that are the true classics guys that can do the 260 kilometer, you know, what is it, 160 mile distance. From one hundred and twenty, they can all do it. When, once you get past that hundred and twenty mark, then the true classic guys. Yeah. The guys with the big endurance and the big experience come And you out.
0: need some years. Like you can I mean it's, it's tough to do that as a twenty one year old, twenty year old Neo pro to, to go bust out two hundred and sixty kilometers. I mean it's 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 a lot easier when you're thirty years old. Are some of these guys staying in their prime longer just with
2: modern training? you know probably doing more taking care of their bodies better are they racing longer age-wise or is it still about when you guys That's were a good running?
1: question i mean but there's definitely much better ways to monitor your training your recovery mm-hmm. your sleep patterns so mm-hmm. i mean that's definitely uh, all plays into uh, your longevity of your career
2: and i guess there was uh again i i missed it you guys were talking about it afterward there
0: was uh some sort of a medical emergency yeah i have the I have the, I have the the article pulled up here this kid michael i messed up his name michael gulerts has a heart attack in the race either um and, and it's not there there was no footage of it um just sort of eyewitness test or you know uh, testimony or, or or accounts of it um but they, they were seen on the side of the road with the the paramedics with the pads out Jeez. and giving him a full you know trying to bring him back so i don't know if he had the, cardi- the heart attack, cardiac arrest, and then crashed, or had crashed and then had the heart attack, but when you have a 23-year-old kid from Belgium uh, in the biggest one-day race of—by by the way, he's trending on Twitter, number three—and um, and just falls over, which is just so you know. Obviously, we send out our best to him and his team and his family, and gah, who you know, you know scary stuff. Yeah, you were pretty excited before we started to see it trending on Twitter. Yeah. Well, uh, it's not like there's no other sporting events going on right. in the world. I mean, I'm I'm like the biggest golf fan in the world. And, you know, I, I suggested to the room at 20. I was like, D- you guys cool if we switch it over to the Masters for a second just to see what's going on? That didn't go over too good. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's trend. Yeah, I mean, you have all these major events going on. And, and it's it's awesome to see. Well, by the way, it's it's trending. It's number three in the United States, which to me is amazing when you only had one American in the race. Like, if you had 20 uh, yeah. and we won, okay, I get it. But no, I, I think it speaks volumes for the event and, and the sport that you know is, is on people's radar. I guess
2: it may have something to do with you guys getting out there and talking about it. Let's hope you know <laughs> it might have something to do with it. Uh, George, out of curiosity, uh, best and worst memory of Roubaix over the seventeen years.
1: Ooh, uh, worst. They actually pointed out today was when I fell in that ditch. Not even breaking my shoulder. Um, it was um. I think the year before that, or two years before no, actually a while before that I broke my shoulder in two thousand and six two thousand and one I was with uh, Tom Boonen. we're chasing Museo down. It was an incredible day uh, throughout it felt amazing the, the whole day, and I didn't do the little things that you do in a two hundred and sixty kilometer race, which is eat, you know stay warm. It was freezing cold and raining, but I was like i'm so I feel so good that I'm not gonna eat as much as I usually do. And all of a sudden we're in a position where we're ten seconds behind Museo and it's Tom and I can't be in a better position than that two teammates chasing one guy alone and i started getting that rubbery feeling in the legs and i started asking tom to slow down a bit and uh that's 30 30k to go once you get to that point in a 260k K race there's no coming back and i just got worse and worse and worse and like i was saying earlier your reaction time slows down i had one of those slips that i had a hundred times throughout the the day before that the day during the day and I just fell into a ditch. And we we're here I was third place or second place in Paris Bay, ten K to go. And no shit. I did not want. I said, "I'm not getting out of this fucking ditch." I was laying there. <laughs> well, you going to stay in the ditch. Just, I, I did not want to get up. What was I in did the not ditch? Want, was there was, like was there mud? Mud, mud like, and like, I was just laying there. Funk. The only reason I got up was there was a helicopter hovering above me, and the camera's <laughs> right on me. I go, Shit! And I got to get up because you're on got television. Up, <laughs> yeah, I was on television. <laughs> got up, crawled to the finish line. It was that was probably my uh, the worst bonk of my entire career, and just it was really disappointing too. It was a, I made a lot of stupid mistakes throughout the day, and it was a great opportunity for me to. You know, doing an uh, amazing rebate, but I just uh, lesson learned. Lesson learned. Best remember best. Sometimes, moment. sometimes on your best days, you have to take care of yourself the most because your engine's just really firing on all yeah. pistons. Yeah. Our best memory. Best memory. Um, just probably finishing uh, finishing second. Um, 2005. My daughter was there. I still have pictures of her with me on the podium, and it's pretty amazing. I mean, she's 13 years old now. She was two years old back then. It's just uh. It's amazing how time flies, and I'm glad I got to share that moment with her. Who won that year? Bonin. Bonin, So you, y- y- y-
0: y- y'all weren't together.
1: Yeah, we were. It was Bonin and I and Fletcher, Three of us together at the end. Huh. How?
0: How would? Uh, I would always watch. This is a funny story. So I would, I, I would, of course, never be there. But I, I would sit at my home, either where wherever I was living those years, either it was Spain or Nice, and I would watch the race. And I would always, you know, you know, I just get so I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm trying to control shit from like a thousand miles away, and so I'd call Johan and be like, "Hey, d- d- do this and do this," and he's like, and he, "I can't believe he kept picking up the phone." But there was one year yeah. where they were coming in. They were coming into the, the Arenberg Forest. George, you take it from here because it's yeah, so we're
1: coming into the Arenberg Forest, which is part, probably one of the most stressful moments in cycling. This day in particular it was freezing cold, muddy, and uh, Johan's on the radio telling me what to do the whole time. And I hear him. I hear phones ringing, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, Lance. Okay, I'll tell him." You want to get some rain. George, Lance says, take your leg warmers off. I'm like, really? I got 3K to go to the fucking Ehrenberg first, and Lance is at home on his couch telling me to take his, my leg warmers
0: off. Probably, you know, and sipping, I remember a, a, that having today, a cold just... beer, like, hey, well, you should probably take those leg warmers off. Now's a good time to do that. Me, you know, of course, me not knowing anything, you know, not knowing shit from Shinola, and, and I was like, God, it just would feel so much better, George, if you didn't have those leg warmers on. So
1: those leg warmers were on the side of the road about a K later.
0: <laughs> Were they? Did, did you get them off? Him. I got them See, off. <laughs> <laughs> who's your daddy? Give me that $100 back.
2: <laughs> you know, Lance has made reference to the director being in your ear during a race, and you guys both worked with one of the best, and... Watching some old clips, you know, you you'd hear Yo- Yo- Johan going, "Don't panic, don't panic, don't panic," <laughs> you know. It's right. like how that, I think that was the same that? year
1: actually. Where I I took so I took the leg warmers off, but then I flatted in the Ehrenberg, you know, five k later. But it's really important. I mean, he, you know, it's uh, it just keeps you focused. You get you. It's so easy to. To make mistakes in that race or in any race, for that for that matter, but you have a good director in the car who's you know stable minded and is telling what to do and just really focused on the end and not what's happening at the moment. It's it's really important to have somebody like that a, on the radio.
2: How does Sagan stack? This is not a fair question, but a fun one. How does Sagan stack up today, finishing Perry Robe against Museu Boonin, and you?
0: He's I pretty mean, impressive. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean really I, I, impressive. yeah, that it's not like he won the way people would have thought he had would have won. I mean, mm-hmm. he he just like George said. I mean, when does the rainbow jersey ever sneak away? Like, don't mm-hmm. sneak away, especially when it's Peter Sagan. You know, he goes away with fifty k to go alone, bridges to that group, has two guys with him. You know, gets them to help him. But I mean, he 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 basically did a fifty kilometer time trial as the fastest guy in the race, right? So he could he can always has the option to say you know what i'm just going to sit here and and follow the wheels and win the sprint but no he i mean he, he essentially pulled a, a, you know a, a a move that a that a power guy like Terpstra pulled last week mm-hmm. uh in tour Flanders, which that's is mean, pretty iconic my the one thing before i forget like i was watching or looking at twitter this morning somebody posted up a clip of him before the race and the guy's like you know how, how what's your dream scenario today and he's like he's, his voice is like for the biggest <laughs> Guy in the sport, one of the biggest athletes in the world. His voice is crazy. Like, is it, like, uh, uh, the be the first on the velodrome, but <laughs> <laughs> be first of, or something like that. I was like, it is just, and it was that was it. He was done. It was like Bill Belichick. Like, I'm, I don't have anything to, first on the velodrome.
2: <laughs> and he did. What might have Sagan and, and uh, Delier been saying to each other? Because they clearly worked together to get secure first and second, but...
1: My guess would be Sagan would say, look, work with me and I'm not going to attack you to the finish. You know, they mm. they might have made an agreement where just give me what you got and I'm not going to attack
0: you. Was it in Swiss francs or was it in uh, <laughs> Slovakian uh, rubles? <laughs> no, I bet, but look, in, in all seriousness, for Delier that was... Um, Look, he stays there. He gets second, right? If yeah. he if he if Peter Sagan rides him off the wheel, then he would have been caught very quickly. So, um, we were all surprised he worked as much as he did, especially after having been out there for 200 plus kilometers. But I mean, like I say, that that's I mean, you can't obviously Peter Sagan is the champ, but um, that kid's ride you you have to kind of say that was ride of the day. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely the star ride of the day.
2: All right. Uh, what's it feel like to be Peter Sagan today?
1: <laughs> I mean, he's won basically yeah, everything you can like, win in cycling. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's, He hasn't he's won Reveille.
0: He never won this. Yeah, so... He's this just, he's is he's his first pair of so that's probably... I suspect it means something to him yeah definitely. and he's probably i think he's you know he had a, there was a little i loved this there was a little back and forth uh this past week between tour flanders and roubaix he, he made some comments after uh tour flanders uh, uh, about the quick step team and about how he's always um um you know obviously he's always the favorite but he's always sort of quote unquote picked on and and they won't work with him etc cetera, et cetera. so tom boonan you know you know great classics rider, great champion of the classics you know really kind of went after him it was like look he said some pretty critical things like all you ever do is sit on the wheels and you never do anything and your team blah, blah, blah and so I think for him you know he said look I'm not gonna I'll talk on Sunday and I think that's a big vindication for him and, and uh you know I saw a bunch of comments on Twitter like you know checkmate you know your are ne- what do you no. Tomica what do you got to say about that
1: uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that, but I think we I think we should spend a little bit uh, one one minute on uh, or the one American on the race. I mean, okay. everything he's gone through. Is, I got I, I got go to go the
0: bathroom. I'll be back in just a sec. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Just, just, my stomach's a little upset. Come back. Yeah, they're back. My
1: hundred dollars that I won today, but really Taylor did an incredible ride. He was in the final move with the best riders in the world. And the team made a decision at one point, point. said, Taylor, you need to work for step." And you saw him go to the front at the Capitol Rob, and really put it out there for his, for his guy, and he still finished eighth place. So for me, that was an incredible ride, an incredible comeback, and I'm excited for his future. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, he, he... well
2: to add to it, I mean, Taylor had some pretty serious injuries that might have taken him completely out of the sport yeah, I mean... that he's recovered from. He comes from parents that are very familiar names in the sport yeah it's a, uh, a it's, lot of people are pulling for him
1: it absolutely it's
0: great to see him back at that level and racing with the best guys in the world but but let's just get get real here i mean when because when he got dropped from that group and i agree with everything that george just said i mean these races are in his dna and we jb we talked about this last summer when it was you know it, where we were trying to figure out if the daily video was you know how was that is that good is that what is that and so and i love the kid but i'm always like look this guy's easily, when I first met him, first saw him ride, and first saw how smooth he was on a bike, I was like, that kid has two Flanders in his legs and two Roubaix, easy, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And then a World Time Trial Championships, and then a World Individual, every, you name it. I mean, the, the dude is, is has wicked talent. Um, but when he got dropped, I, I expected him to be gone. And then when they came on the velodrome, and I was like, well, what's happening? And then he gets eighth and I lose my 100, I was like, uh, you know what, I was you know, it's worth it. It's worth it, because I'm happy for Taylor. And um, you know, George George needs some money. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No. Well, next on the agenda,
2: the and you're not going to see it on television. The uh, Texas Hundred. That's right.
0: Next Saturday.
1: I tell you, Georgia, you got coming? Got no, yeah. George, is, uh,
0: You have a, You can upgrade yourself. Now I got an upgrade too. We got an upgrade to go to uh, first class. We have the and but then the day after the texas hundred which is next saturday the day after is amstel gold race So right. we we can all sit down and do this again that will be you right. ever do amstel right.
1: yeah i did it with you a couple of times you did <laughs> yeah
0: hmm. must have made it i love man i, I love no 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 i loved that race for the fan at home that's you know it's not a quote-unquote monument but it's it's a it's a big spring classic and it's in holland it's the only one they have uh, it's awesome. It's 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 Flanders esque, short, punchy, steep climbs, no cobbles, thousand roundabouts. Yeah, lots of lots of traffic furniture. Um, but uh, I loved that race back in the day. Also long, just mm-hmm. like just like all these. So we'll be back on the air next week talking. Uh, and there, by the way, the title sponsor is beer. <laughs> Fucking a. <laughs> that's, that's our kind of race. We'll,
2: we'll end on that note. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in.